How's everybody today? It's a beautiful day, isn't it? Um, just first of all, just before I, I share some other things with you, just a personal note. Um, I know that many of you have heard that our family experienced an armed robbery uh, on Wednesday evening, previous Wednesday, the 27th, where five men entered our homes armed and uh, you know, proceeded to rob us. Uh, we are doing very well as a family. We're thankful for the Lord's grace. During the whole, it, it, they were in our house for about 20 minutes. We really experienced the Lord's peace, His grace with us. We were praying all the time. Uh, even when they were instructing us not to pray, we were praying out loud and already lying on the floor, speaking out forgiveness over them and uh, really just felt the Lord's peace in that time. Uh, I had to go to hospital afterwards just to get some checkups. Physically, all I have that is uh, remained with me is I still have a bit of a broken nose. But other than that, I'm fine. We've also been doing all our, our journeys with um, just emotional processing. I've gone through uh, some trauma counseling also, and I'm doing really well. Our family is really progressing through it well. We're experiencing a lot of the Lord's grace and favor and so deeply thankful for our community and for all the love and support that we've received from so many. And I know many that didn't want to phone and didn't you know, feel like they wanted to bother us or anything, but we really just appreciate that. And I just wanted you to know that we are really doing well as a family. And thank you for your prayers also in that. Then Natasha and I will be leaving tomorrow morning for the States. We will be going to, not a free state, uh, the United States. And uh, we will be going on a ministry trip where we will be speaking at a conference and then also ministering at a church next Sunday. And uh, so looking forward to that time and to be able to be with our, 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 net, our, our networks that we partner with in, in the States. And uh, so pray for us for that also. And then today we're starting a, a, a little bit of a series just that's for three weeks where we, we're going back and just recapping on some of our values and some of our vision things that are so important for us around whole life discipleship and the front lines. We were actually supposed to start this series last week and uh, Ben was going to be sharing, but then he had... COVID. Can you believe it? That's still a thing. So he's well now. And so we had to juggle a few things around. And that's why Pastor Lutzolo on number 99 came in last week and really appreciate that and shared the messages. But Ben's going to start the series for us today. Then Neil's going to be next week. And then I'll wrap it up on the 22nd. So thank you, Ben. Ben in our community is really a champion for whole life discipleship and for front lines and uh, with the pastoral team. And I'm so thankful for, for his support, he, his character of this vision and look forward to just hearing him share with you also some really good practical ways to also be involved as a whole life disciple. So thank you, Ben. Can we pray for you? Can we um, pray for Pastor Louis and Natasha as they embark tomorrow on their trip to the States? And uh, yeah, can, we, can you stretch out your hands? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. First of all, thank you for your protection. Thank you for your protection on Louis and Natasha. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And so, Father, we also want to, as we send them to represent us as Hatfield uh, to our international networks, I pray your grace would go with them. I pray that you would anoint their time there, that you would inspire their time there, that your Holy Spirit would go with them. Thank you, Father, for traveling mercies. Uh, thank you for the opportunity for him to represent us in these networks. Pray your protection in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Louis. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. It's a, a privilege for me this morning to share the word with you. 
Um, something that, as Louis said, I feel very, very passionate about, this idea of discipleship and living well on our front lines. I really do feel passionate about it. And as Louis said, uh, uh, in 2021, we did an eight-week series on living on your front lines. So, uh, kind of, as Louis said, it's like a kind of a, a living on your front lines 2.0, perhaps. Uh, a revisiting of those thoughts. There's something that's really core to what we believe as a church. Uh, it's really core to who we are. Our vision of our church is God's kingdom in hearts, homes, and beyond. God's kingdom that breaks through first into our hearts, as we uh, uh, commit to the ways of the Lord, to the Lordship of Jesus, to believing in what he said is true, God starts to transform who we are inside. He starts to make a difference in our lives. He starts to uh, uh, change us and transform us on the inside. But it doesn't just stop there, does it? As God transforms our hearts, we start to live differently in the world around us. And it perhaps starts first in the places that are closest to us, our homes, the places that we have the most interactions with us, and, and it starts to change how we live in those spaces. But it doesn't just stop there either. It starts to manifest itself in the, in the world beyond, in the, in the world outside. And that process of, of, of this God's kingdom and hearts, homes, and beyond, God transforming power, is called the process of discipleship. I've entitled this morning's sermon, The Call to Whole Life Discipleship. It's interesting that in the scriptures, the word disciple is mentioned 269 times. 269 times the word disciple is mentioned. The word Christian is only mentioned three times. And it's always in the context of speaking about disciples. 269 times. I think uh, discipleship is a key thought when it comes to our walk with the Lord. So what is a disciple? I think is a key thought that we need to answer. A disciple is a follower of a teacher, a rabbi, a master to learn from them and ultimately to imitate the practical elements of their lives. A disciple is something that we, it comes under a teacher and you learn and, and you watch what they do to ultimately, to imitate them, to do what they did in every practical element of their lives. Dallas Willard, one of the great thinkers on discipleship, says the following, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus. If he was living in 2023 and had your personality and your job, how would Jesus live his life through you in those spaces? Discipleship is a, a slightly old-fashioned word. Perhaps a more modern translational word that we could use is an internship or an apprenticeship to Jesus, coming under and learning how to live like Jesus did. I want to share just a little bit of my, my own story. Most of you perhaps don't know this. Uh, I was an accountant before I came into the ministry. Any accountants in the room? Yeah, we're always very shy, I know. Uh, um, yeah, we introverts. Um, it's saying what has more personality than an accountant? He's calculator. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, so I was an accountant by profession, and part of becoming an accountant, you have to do a three-year article clerkship, where you, uh, you have to do articles for three years to learn what it means to become an accountant. I did articles in a, 
a relatively old school firm. I didn't go to one of the larger firms. I went to one of these firms that uh, was just two partners, and we did everything. We learned every part of what it meant to be an accountant, from source documents all the way to financial statements. And uh, my senior partner, um, I, let's call him Neil, because I like Neils. No, <laughs> because actually that's what his name was. He was Neil. <laughs> Uh, how I would describe Neil? Neil is, is six foot seven, very tall man, huge mustache. Um, he uh, swore like a trooper, drank like a fish, and smoked like a chimney. <laughs> so it gives you a sense of the person. Uh, but he also was a great man of integrity. So he was absolutely ethical in everything that he did. If a client came to him and said, I want to cheat on my taxes, uh, he would say no, and if they would say, well, well, I'm going to go to another company to do my, my accounting, he said, oh, it's fine, go. And it happened often. He would actually let clients go because he was never going to cross an ethical line. He also was very passionate about training up young accountants like myself, and he took it very, 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 very seriously about how do you train these young accountants. And for three years, I sat and I watched and I learned how to become an accountant under Neil. Uh, I sat and I was taught by him. I watched him. Many times he'd show me. Uh, he would explain. I was given opportunity to do it myself once I knew. Uh, sometimes I was rebuked. If I did the same stupid thing three times, you'd say, Ben, that's not cool, and you'd tell me off. Uh, I sat and I watched him. And eventually, when I was ready, in my second and my third year, he'd say, okay, Ben, um, I, I think I've taught you enough here. I, I, I think... There's some, still some stuff you need to learn, but I actually want you to start teaching the junior clerks, these new clerks that are coming in. And then he would give me the opportunity. He'd work maybe sometimes with the first years, and then I would be training the seconds, second years, and I'd do the same thing, and he'd watch what I was doing with them, making sure I was doing it correctly. And he'd give me the opportunity to start training other people to do the same thing that he taught me. So for three years, I learned what it meant to become an accountant, how to think like an accountant, how to act like an accountant, how to be ethical like an accountant, how to improvise as an accountant, how to work hard as an accountant. So for three years, I learned what it meant to be a, a disciple of accountancy, if you want to call it that. Whilst internships, article clerkships, and apprenticeships end, our discipleship and our apprenticeship to Jesus never ends. It's always continuing. God in His grace, He is a beautiful God. And he always is drawing us into deeper journey, a deeper discipleship journey with him, always. And so our apprenticeship to Jesus never ends. He's always calling more forth. So the question is, what is whole life discipleship? Uh, whilst I was in a, an article clerk, I was trained to, in a specific area of my life to be an accountant. That's what I was being trained to do. But discipleship to Jesus is about our whole lives. God is interested in every part of who we are as believers. Sometimes I think as Christians we make the mistake that God is only interested in the spiritual parts of our lives. Whether we go to church, well done for being here this morning. Whether we attend a small group, whether we tithe, whether we pray, whether we read our Bibles. And these are all really good things. We teach them and we want to encourage you to do those things. But God is interested in more than just those things. God is interested in every area of your life, of my life. He's interested in your work life. 
He's interested in your emotions. He's interested in how you manage your finances, our relationships, our sexuality, our health, and our bodies, how we consume media, what our eyes consume. He's interested in our thought life, how we treat and care for the poor and the destitute. God is interested in every area of our lives. He's particularly interested in how we treat other image bearers, bearers of God. Even the one that pulls in front of you in the road to work to church this morning. I'm sorry if you're here. Um, Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, says in Colossians 3, verse 17, he says the following. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. And whatever you do, whether in word, what you speak, or what you do, your deeds, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's all encompassing. Whatever is every part of our lives, whatever you do, do it in the name, in, in the way that Jesus would do it, I want you to live and speak and do exactly like my son, Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, God is interested in every part of our lives. Jesus, when he was confronted by the religious leaders of the time, was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And we know this so well, but in Luke 10, verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, all Every part, love God with every part of who you are. Your heart, your, your emotions, what you, uh, your emotional life. He's interested and he wants us to worship him with that part of our life. He wants us to worship him with our soul. Somebody said that our soul is our link between our emotions, our will, and our body. Every part of who we are, God wants us, all our souls. And then with our minds, what we ponder and think and how we make decisions. God is interested in how we live and in our minds. And also our strength, our bodies, our energy, the energy that God has given us to do things, our strengths and talents. God has called us to use this all for his glory. And Pastor Louis, in a couple of weeks' time, will be elaborating a little bit more on that uh, as we share. Now the question is, from Scripture, is there, um, what can we learn about whole-life discipleship from the life of Jesus? When we read the gospel, we see a person that is fully integrated, as he's involved in the world, he has a relationship, and what can we learn together from the life of Jesus about what it means to be a whole-life discipleship, and how do I increasingly become a whole-life disciple? There's many examples of this, but there's one short passage which I'd like to read this morning, which maybe kind of puts all the different ways that Jesus did discipleship into one short passage. And it's from Luke 6, verse 12 to 19. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he designated as apostles. And he goes into them, Simon, his brother James, Andrew, John, Philip, etc., etc. Goes on to say, he went down with them and stood on a level place. 
a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing all of them. In this short little passage, we see three things. The first is that Jesus had a relationship with the Father. He was praying. He spent the whole night praying in this case. He had a relationship with his Father, an up relationship. He also was very clear about who he was with, his disciples, the people, his little community, his little community of believers that he spent three years with, discipling, showing, uh, helping to become like him. For three years he spent most of the gospel is the story of disciples being with Jesus. But then he also went into all the world and, and he was healing the sick, teaching. Crowds gathered around him. He had an out. He had a relationship with the Father. He had a community, an in, a community of people that he ministered with, taught, discipled, a church. <laughs> And he also had a mission, an out, a place, up, in, and out. The whole life discipleship is about learning how to do up, in, and out well, and learning from the master himself. I want to talk very briefly this morning just about each of those three elements, up, in, and out, what it means to have communion with the Father, uh, community, and commission, and to share just one or two principles, ideas that I think will serve you well and serve us well as a community as we learn what it means to be a whole life disciple. The first one I want to address is up, communion with the Father. We see this as Jesus goes up the hill, he spends time, and we see it right through Scripture, Jesus spending time in relationship with his Father. Jesus did this through a certain set of practices and habits, things that he did on a regular basis. And I think those are things that we would be good to learn ourselves. The first is he prayed, as we see from the scripture we've just read. He read scripture right through the gospel. We hear Jesus quoting scripture. He knew scripture. He obviously had spent time wrestling and, and, and memorizing scripture on his daily walk. He also spent time in silence and solitude. He would go by himself to spend time with his father. He also fasted, as we have just before he's tempted. He goes, he's, he's fasting for 40 days uh, in silence and solitude. He fasted. It was a practice that he did. He also weekly met together in the, in the synagogue, in the church of its day. We read this in Luke 4. Uh, on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, which indicates he would do it on a regular basis. He would meet together like you are this morning. Meet together as the church. In John 5, verse 19, it says the following. Jesus gave them this answer. Very, I tru very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus had a relationship with the Father, and he would only do what he saw his Father doing. A little bit further on in, in John 10, it says the following though, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is saying, I can only do what I see my Father do. And a little bit later, he says, hey, do the same. 
My sheep hear my voice. You can also hear the voice of the Father encouraging and helping you and telling you what to do in the world around you. I love this quote. Somebody said, Jesus would inhale his Father's presence so he could exhale Father's will. How beautiful is that? He would inhale the Father's presence alone by himself so he could exhale the Father's will in the world around him. In James 4, verse 68, 6 to 8, he says the following, but he, gives more, but he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. You purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's some, script, there's some principles from this I think will serve us well when it comes to our up relationship with the Father. The first is the principle of humility. Humility. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I can't think of anything more terrifying than being opposed by the living God. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The God of the creator of the universe and he holds us at arm's length I can't think of anything more terrifying than that. But he gives grace to the humble. He embraces the humble. What is humility? It's a willingness to learn, to grow. When it comes to our relationship with the Father, God's encouraging us to learn from him. It's learning to see yourself as God sees you, as, as his, his son and his daughter. He loves you. And we, as we humble ourselves, we learn what it means to be his son and daughter. One of the great signs of a relationship, and my wife would contest to this, when I'm humble, um, I listen. <laughs> when I'm proud, I don't listen. <laughs> and uh, the same with us, with the father. is one of the signs, I see some of the wives nudging the husbands. Um, the reality is, is, is Humility is marked by an attitude of listening and learning. And it's the same with our Father. Humility is one of the great virtues. And God calls us in our up relationship to, to humble ourselves before Him. The second is, is, the, is the value of surrender. Is surrender. Submit yourselves then to God in every area of our lives. God's called us to surrender our lives to him, to his lordship as Jesus Christ. He doesn't want any idols in our lives. I love this. The late Tim Keller says the following. An idol is any good thing that gets exalted above God. Any good thing that gets exalted above God. My family can be an idol. Finances can become an idol. All good things, as long as they're under the lordship of Jesus. And God calls us to surrender our lives fully to him. I think the question for all of us sitting here this morning, what are those areas of our lives that we desperately need to surrender to him, to his lordship? There's many areas. It could be you need to forgive a person. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your work. Whatever those areas, what are, the, what are those areas we need to surrender to our Father, to His Lordship? Now, I'm under no illusions. I, um, last month is, uh, was the 29th anniversary of my salvation. Uh, I got saved in the minor auditorium. Well, I didn't get saved in the minor I heard the gospel in the minor auditorium for the first time 29 years ago on the 9th of September. And uh, it was a good day. It was a good day. Now, I'm under no, thank you, <laughs> I'm under no illusion uh, 
that I've got everything sorted out. I, the more and more I journey with the Lord, there are more and more areas of my life that I'm realizing I need the Lordship of Jesus in, the, in, our, in those areas. But the, here's the reality. God is so gracious. He's so kind. He's always drawing us closer to Him. He's, he's kind. When it comes to our up relationship, when it comes to the Lordship of Jesus, He's always beckoning and calling us to, into deeper relationship with Him. After 29 years, I feel like I've just started. <laughs> I've just started my journey with the Lord. Because there's so much more grace and compassion that the Father has, and He's calling us always. I love that in verse 8 He says, He will come near to you. He's always coming near to us and, and drawing us. So in our relationship with the Lord, uh, humility and surrender were two words and two principles I think will really serve us well in that journey. The second is in, what it means to be in community. I want to make a very bold statement. You will never grow as a disciple without other believers. Bold statement, isn't it? We need each other. The Christian faith was never meant and is impossible to do it alone. God, in his wisdom, right from the very beginning, set up this body, this ecclesia, this, the body of Christ, the church. And he says, I'm going, but I'm setting up this body <laughs> called the church. And you need each other. You need each other. And you're going to grow and learn what it means to be disciples together as a community. Two thoughts on, on, uh, on community. The first is that community, the church was in pl put in place for growth, to help us to grow together. It's not just a club, a place we come to on a Sunday, it's a place of growth and learning together. In Proverbs 27 verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As we engage in community, we sharpen one another, we help each other. It's where I grow, it's where I learn to submit and listen and to sacrifice. It's where I get encouragement and edification together, together on Sundays and in smaller communities. It's sometimes where I get corrected. Sometimes I need that. And again, in my 29 years of serving the Lord, I... I'm utterly convinced that I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for a community, this community, helping me to become a, a believer and to follow Jesus accurately in the scriptures. The second word is this, is grace. Now I have a, a, a confession, a dark confession to make to you all this morning. I can be a jerk sometimes. Now, don't laugh because you also can be a jerk sometimes. If you want to turn to the person next to you and tell them, you're never a jerk and wink at them. Uh, that's the reality. So can you. The church isn't immune to that. We're just believers trying to follow Jesus, sometimes broken, <laughs> sometimes we're jerks. Um, and I tell you, I've been on staff now for over 20 years, being a Christian for 29 years. It's hard work being in a church, isn't it? Um, and if you haven't been here for a long time, you'll learn. <laughs> but that's when we need each other for growth. Now, the antidote to my jerkness is grace, is grace. It's extending the same grace that I've received as his son and daughter and extending it to my fellow believers, extending that grace. The antidote is grace. I love uh, in Galatians 6 verse 1 to do, 
1 to 2, it says the following. Brothers and sisters, who are the brothers and sisters? It's the church. It's not outsiders. Brothers and sisters, it says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you, could also, you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the church, if somebody is caught being a jerk, <laughs> doing something they shouldn't be doing, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, gracefully, help them to see their ways and to, and to encourage one another. And he goes and says, but watch yourselves, because you can also be a jerk sometimes. And he says, carry each other's burdens, help one another, encourage one another, help each other to do this journey well, carry each other's burdens. God calls us to do that. And then he goes on to say right at the end that you may fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? We read a portion of it in Luke 10 earlier. Is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, spirit, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. We love our neighbors in the same way that we would like to be treated. We fulfill that law by being kind and helping each other and correcting one another in those spaces. The last of the, of the three is out, a commission. Whole life disciples, you and I, if we want to embrace this idea of being whole life disciples, we embrace that we have a mission that God's called us to, into this hurting and dark world. I love this quote. The church doesn't exist for the benefit of its members. It exists for the benefit of the world. The calling that we have as believers, we, we learn to be believers and disciples here for the benefit of the world out there that desperately needs truth and grace and light in the kingdom. And that place is what we call frontline. We're doing a series called Living on Your Frontline. This is what it means. It's your frontline, the place when we're not together here or sleeping, it's the place we call our frontlines. LRCC, which is the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, which myself and Pastor Louis had the privilege of visiting in 2019, have this definition for frontline. It says, your frontline is the place where you spend much of your time, where you meet people who don't know Jesus. It is the place God has called you, the place of possibility and potential. You may be old or young, healthy or infirm, employed or not, we still have a front line, a place God has put us. It's the place this time tomorrow morning where you're going to be at. At 11 o'clock tomorrow, where are you going to be? That's your front line. That's the place God has called you, the place of potential and possibility, where God can break through and do something through you and break the kingdom of God into those spaces. That's your front line. God has called us into a hurting and broken world to bring God's truth into those spaces. In 1 Peter 2 verse 12, it says this, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Live such good lives among on your front line, live well in those spaces. Though you accuse you of doing wrong, they may glorify when he returns. There's two words, two principles again that will serve us well when we talk about our front lines. The first is the principle of embrace. Embrace. 
In John 3 verse 16, very famous scripture, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the creator, the creator of the universe, so loved the world that he gave his only son. He became part of the creation. He incarnated himself. He became flesh in the world. I think the calling for us as well is to, is to love the world as the, as the Lord loves the world, to be engaged with the world, to embrace the world. I think it's not enough for us just to engage, but also to embrace. Think of rugby, when they're going to a scrum, you engage, and then, but there's always the opportunity to pull away from that. God calls us to embrace, to hug the world in all its brokenness and all its evil, and to see the world the same way that the world sees the world. He calls us to embrace that word, the world. But here's a very important second principle and a qualifier which is really important, and it's this. We are called to be distinct, to look different. In Matthew 5 verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, who, what, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. We can embrace the world and we become like the world. God's calling us to do something different. He's called us to embrace the world, to take the gospel into the world, but he's called us to look different, to be distinct, to be salty, to be salt and light and yeast in those spaces. He's called us to be distinct. Brennan Manning, a saint who passed away, a gentleman, a theologian and an author who passed away a number of years ago, he says the following, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Hard, script, hard quote, isn't it? But God calls us to, is to match what we say, how we do church here in this room, in the world out there. Deliver the same values, the same character God calls us to live in those spaces. Um, I mentioned about doing article clerkship a number of years ago. And um, I think you got the impression when I shared it wasn't a particularly Christian place. And so the tradition was that when an article clerk would leave, um, you would go out to a pub or somewhere to celebrate. Now, I would always, because I believe in this idea of embrace, I would always go along. I would never drink in those spaces. I would have a Coke, and they all knew that, and they would push anything on me, and I was just, sometimes I'd be the designated driver, and, but I was trying to be salt and light in those spaces. But because they knew I was a believer, uh, it was a running joke that um, when I left, we didn't go to a pub, we went to the Milky Lane because I like milkshakes. And so I was trying to be, embrace them, but also be distinct in those places that so much they took me to a Milky Lane when I said farewell. Here's the question. Um, what does not being distinct look like? And I think Paul writes in Galatians 5 when he talks about uh, the, the works of the flesh this is what it means not to be distinct. If we see elements of these in our lives, we're not being distinct in those spaces. The first one he writes is sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, disagreement, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
This afternoon, you can go home from this place and go to the, the local spa, and you can buy yourself a, new, a Sunday newspaper. That is what you will find in that Sunday newspaper. That is what the world looks like. And we are called to be different from that, to look different. Paul goes on in Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, how I want you to be distinct, is like this, perhaps to paraphrase, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness. Man, the world is an unkind place at the moment. And if we can just as believers in this room show kindness, the kindness of God to those that we get to meet, wow, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's blindingly beautiful when we live this way. <laughs> People see it and they think, what's different about you? You're weird. <laughs> you, you live a questionable life. Now, I need to say that the motivation when we do up in and out, when we're in relationship with the Father, when we live in community and we go into all the world, the motivation has to be right. We're not earning something when we do those things. It's, not, uh, it's based in a love relationship. We receive a loving relationship with the Father. He loves us. He lavished love on us. And we're in that relationship with him, and he loves us, and we, we're drawn into that relationship. We're also called to love the church, the bride of Christ. It's motivated by a love, a love for each other. This you will know that, my, your, that you are my disciples by your love that you have one for one another. We're called to love one another, and we're also called to love this place that God came and died for our cross for, to bring our, that love into the world around us. We're called to love I want to invite the worship team to join me as we bring this morning to an end. God calls us to live in relationship with him, to, to, to passionately live out in relationship with him, to walk with our Father in relationship. He's so kind in that space. He also calls us as whole life disciples to engage with the world around us, and, or, sorry, to engage with the world around us, but also to engage with the church there's an invitation always from the Father into that. I mentioned I've been Christian now 29 years. There may be some of you sitting here who have been a Christian for a week. The invitation is to Him, to walk with Him, to embrace what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to learn what it means to be in a relationship with the Father, in community, and embrace the world around us. You may be a Christian for 70 years. I'm sure there's some people like that in this room. You've been, for all of your adult life, you've been a believer. The invitation is the same. Come, walk with me, journey with me. There may be even people in this room this morning who have never taken that step to say, Lord, I want you to make, Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. I, I've never made a commitment to you. I've been watching from the outside. There may be some of you like that this morning. The invitation is the same. There's two scriptures that I'd like to read, or three scriptures I'd like to read this morning in, as we bring things to an end. The first is in Revelations 3 verse 20. It says the following, Here am I. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here am I. Here I am. The Father Wherever we are, the invitation is, is, here am I. Come, 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 come. Open the door of your heart. 
I want to be with you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to commune with you and eat intimately with you and share with you. The second scripture I want to read is Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is discipleship language. This is Jesus speaking about what it means to be a disciple. If you're weary, burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's his discipleship. This discipleship language, my way of doing things, and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. The invitation, here am I. Come, come to me, all who are weary. I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble in heart. He's always inviting, always kindly drawing us closer to him. In John 10, verse 10 to 11, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's come, I have come, that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The invitation this morning for all of us, when it comes to our discipleship, no matter how long you've been a Christian, is here am I, come to me, I have come. He's always drawing us deeper, inviting us, calling us deeper into a discipleship journey with him. And it happens through relationship with the Father, it happens in relationship with each other in the community, and it happens as we learn to embrace this world that desperately needs the good news of the kingdom of God. Here's the reality. God is never forceful. He's always generous and kind and inviting. He always invites us into relationship with Him. He always invites us to learn from each other in the body, the body of Christ, the church, learning together what it means to be a believer. He also invites us to take this good news into the world around us, into a world that desperately needs the truth. So I want to invite you, um, and whatever you feel comfortable to do, but I want to invite, if you feel comfortable to stand with me, if it's okay with you. And um, I want to create an opportunity just for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, my trust and my hope is that something that I've shared this morning would have caught your heart and your mind, challenged you just a little bit. And uh, if you feel comfortable, you want to close your eyes. You can keep them open. Whatever you're comfortable, you know, open your hands up in front of you. Father God, I, I trust and believe because I know your character, <laughs> that you're good and kind and always inviting, that you have spoken to some folks this morning. I hope for everybody in this room this morning. Everybody is listening to us online. And perhaps as I've spoken, perhaps something around your up journey, your relationship with the Father, Lord has stirred something there. Perhaps as I shared, there's been a, a deeper longing in your heart for a deeper relationship with the Father, for more intimacy, to, to hear His voice more clearly. Perhaps that's what the Lord's saying to you. And, and the invitation again is, come, I'll show you, I'll help you. I'm always available, I'm always here. Perhaps as I spoke, there was an area of you needing, there's an area of your life where you knew 
that there's some place in your life where there's the Lordship of Jesus isn't in. That you know that you need to bring this thing to the Lord. And the Lord again, graciously, as always, He says, come to me. I'll help you with that. Just give it to me. Just give it to me. Just give it to me. I'll help you to bring that under the Lordship of, of my kingdom. Perhaps today, um, you've kind of been on the peripheral of what it means to be part of a church. Maybe you like Zacchaeus who's been up in a tree watching from afar this, this group of people, this church. And perhaps the Lord's encouraging you today to maybe they could take a next step. Maybe you need to go to the Connect Lounge afterwards. Maybe you need to engage. Maybe you need to get involved in a community group. I don't know what it is. But you found the Lord tugging your heart. I need to be part of a body. I need to know and I need to be known. I need to grow. I'm not going to grow without people around me. Perhaps, perhaps there's some of you in this room who have been hurt by the church. That's the reality. And the Lord wants to give you grace. And He wants you to help you extend grace to those people that have hurt you. It's a calling, an invitation, come to me. Perhaps for some of you this morning, you've, you have your church, you have your small group, your community, but you've been disengaged, not embracing the world around you, your front line. You've been indifferent. You've had your arms folded to the world around you. And maybe the invitation from the Lord this morning to you is, let me show you. Let me walk with you. Let me show you how I see the world. Let me see you. Let me show you how you can make a difference in the world around you. Perhaps you've, in your front line, never taken a stand for Jesus. Maybe you've, maybe perhaps in some ways, compromised the truth. You've made, they know you're a Christian, but you've compromised. And again, the graceful heart of a loving father, the invitation is... It's okay, I love you, ask forgiveness, Let's, let me show you and help you how to do this thing well. Maybe speaking something totally different, maybe something else has challenged this morning, but I want to spend just a couple of minutes, is that alright? Maybe a minute, minute and a half, just for you to speak that thing to the Lord, and just to silence yourself for a moment, allow the Father to speak to you, the Holy Spirit to speak as He wants to. Maybe we need to encourage you. Maybe you just say, I love you. I love you. I'll help you. Can we do that just for a moment? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, I trust, Father, that you are whispering, encouraging each one of us. I pray that as we leave this place, this gathering of believers, the church, that you will go with us, that you will anoint every single person for their front line to take the gospel into all the world. Be with them in Jesus' name. One final quote that I'd like to read, again from Dallas Willard. He says, the greatest issue facing the world today, 
with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by professional culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students or apprentices or practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from Him how to live the life of the kingdom of heavens into every corner of human existence. God bless you. I want to invite, uh, if you would like prayer, and again, we want to make the front available. If you'd like to come receive prayer from our ministry team, our pastoral team, maybe you just want to sit and just be with the Lord for a little bit, please, you really are welcome to. We'd love to pray with you. And also just a reminder that Debbie will be in the Connect Lounge to meet with anybody who would like just to hear a little bit more about our church. God bless you. We'll see each other next week. Thank you.